That's great. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, if you uh, would like to turn with me to Genesis chapter 10, um, we're going to have a look at uh, our next passage. And I'm enjoying going through this. It's uh, really refreshing just to kind of come back to some of the foundations uh, of the genesis of all things, the beginning of all things. This series really is about uh, putting down foundations, putting down uh, back to the original, who God actually created you to be. And, um, and I know that this is, uh, as we read through these different stories, they're not just stories, they're accounts that Moses picks up on that, that truly happened at the time um, or before Moses' time. Remember, Moses was somebody who saw God face to face. He spoke with God as one who was uh, speaking to a friend, different to any of the other Old Testament prophets. And so when he, when he uh, begins to write things down, he does it from the framework of God is with him. He's speaking to him. He's not just sitting at a typewriter wondering, I wonder what the narrative might be from a, you know, a single God who calls himself Yahweh. He's not guessing at that. He's actually bringing um, uh, God's word to bear. So we have, we have such a beautiful um, a book to look at in Genesis. I'm just going to pray and uh, then we're going to get into uh, this morning's sermon. So how about you uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's just pray. Father God, uh, we just thank you so much that you uh, love us, that you call us into family, Lord God, that um, you desire for us to walk with you and uh, not just as uh, those who are distant from you in any way, but those who know you by name. And those, Lord God, who have hope that's a tangible uh, hope that we can grip onto like an anchor uh, for the soul that's found in you. And so, Father God, we ask this morning that as we look at your word, that you would just send down roots deep, that you'd send down foundations that, that grab a hold of everything you have for us. Lord, we recognize that uh, in doing so, we have to let go of a lot of stuff. And there's a humility that comes, a surrender that comes when, we, uh, when, when there's taking hold of who you are. It means letting go of many things that we've held on to in our own strength. So, Father God, I pray for every single person here that they'd find themselves even just open-handed towards you where they desire to have everything of what you say is theirs. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we come up to a very interesting passage uh, in chapter 9, 10, and 11. We're going to look at mostly chapter 11 this morning in Genesis. I've titled this sermon, How to Get a Good Name. Who would like to have a good name? Okay, two people. <laughs> this sermon's not going to go so well. <laughs> I can tell already. Who would like to have a good name? And maybe you're just uh, putting your hand up just to keep me encouraged, but... Um, be that as it may. Uh, you know, many of us, we find ourselves, you know, you, you hear people say uh, you need to carry a good name or um, leave a legacy of a good name or don't let people trudge your name in the mud. Uh, you need to protect your name. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, people give their, their children a unique name. Um, I met a guy whose name was Battle, B-A-T-T-L-E, I said, why did your mum call you battle? He said, because she had a battle at birth. I'm like, what? So people have unique names, right? Maybe you have a unique name. 
Uh, and, you know, my parents, when they called me Stephen, it was actually the same name as my dad. The whole name. So Stephen, Philip, Troyer, and then they added Junior at the end. Right? So Stephen, Philip, Troyer, Junior. I don't know if they just thought that name's good enough, you know, it'll do. Or whether they thought, you know, this is the kind of name that we'd like him to live on, a legacy of um, what we know to be true already, you know, of my dad. And I like to think it was the latter, right? Um, you know, sometimes we uh, give people names to kind of say, hey, we love you. You know, like we call them Bozzy or um, Gaza or Stevo, right? And then there's other names that uh, we, we actually label people with. And maybe it's like blisters because they always show up after the work's done. Or it's tangles because, you know, you've gone fishing and they always have their line in a tangle, okay? And so we give people names. Maybe you need a name that is a redemptive name, one that changes your name. This morning, uh, we're, we're going to have a look at how people went after a particular name and found themselves either uh, in confusion with the name that they gave themselves or they found themselves in the wait for their name to actually come through the way that they had you know, uh, put their faith in God. We have this very unusual story found in chapter 11. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. Anyone heard this story before? And Babel, uh, the name itself means uh, to babble, to like if somebody's babbling to you, they're, they're speaking gibberish, blah, 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 right? So it's, it's kind of baby language. It's, I don't understand what you're saying. And so this, this story happens uh, around about the time, maybe anywhere between two to three centuries after the flood has happened. And so people were moving eastward, we find. They were looking for, in fact, God says to them in chapter 9, he says to the three sons of Noah, he says, go and fill the land. Go and uh, establish yourselves by moving through the land and establishing yourself across the breadth of land. But what happens here in chapter 11 is rather than going out, they, they settle in a place. Say uh, settle to the person next to you. This is an important word because this word means uh, that they actually, rather than going after something that God has for them, they actually settled. None of us want to settle in our relationship with the Lord. None of us want to get to a place where we've said, I've seen everything. There's never a settling with the Lord, there is a, I'm keep on moving forward. I want to encourage you, if you've settled, I feel like that's a word for this morning. If you've settled, uh, get your eyes back up again. Find, you, find yourself back in faith. Get your hopes back on who God is. So these guys, they had settled. They uh, made for themselves, out of the clay, they made bricks and uh, they used tar for mortar. They said to themselves, let's go build a tower. Kind of like a high-rise building. I want you to have a look at chapter 11, verse 4. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that, they, so that we rather may make a name for ourselves. What they say? Make a name for ourselves. That we may make a name for ourselves. 
Let me pause there for a moment. You're either making a name for yourself or you're taking hold of the name in which who created you. They said, let's make a name for ourselves. And then they go on to say, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. It's in direct opposition to chapter 9 and and what God said for them to go and do. Instead, they found themselves settling. They said, let's make a name for ourselves. They, They turned inward to looking to their own name. We do this in different ways. You know, when we gossip, we're thinking uh, oftentimes gossip is let's lower the name of someone else and leverage that for our own name. When we find ourselves uh, exaggerating in a story, uh, which I'm prone to at times, you know, fishing, the fish wasn't this big, it was that big. Um, Exaggeration, it's sometimes to leverage that story for the, the lifting of your own name. There's this sense of which we find ourselves uh, even tearing down the tall puppy, you know, uh, in order that we can feel that our name is leveraged higher. Here's the thing. If you don't know who you are, you'll find yourself always chasing a good name out of your own effort. And it comes out at the most unexpected times. Here was a people, they said, let's make a name for ourselves. They went and they built this tower. As they're building the tower, God hears of it and he sends word down, go and check out to see whether this is true. Finding that it was true, he ended up saying, they will, uh, that there's nothing that can stop them from doing anything they put their, their hands towards. So rather than contending with this, he caused them to go into a babbling of sorts. He gave them a diverse set of languages right across all of these people. As a result, they divided up and they went their way into different areas, different lands and established as nations. Almost like a reset from uh, Noah and his children coming um, to a standstill on Mount Ararat. It's almost like a reset of starting over, but with each of these family units. If you turn back to chapter 10, now I haven't got this up on the screen for you, but uh, we find that there are three sons, uh, Shem, Japheth, and Ham. You'd like to have the name Ham. <laughs> um, so here's Shem, Japheth, and Ham. Uh, in fact, if we went back to chapter 9, you'd find that uh, the three boys, uh, one being Ham, he ended up uh, dishonoring his father. And we don't have time for that story this morning, but... As a result, there was a prophetic word spoken over all the three boys. Shem, the one who actually stood up for his father and honoured his father, he said, you will be uh, one who, uh, who basically goes ahead and, and your brothers, their tribes will come underneath you. Japheth will basically ride the coattails of your success and Ham will become subservient to you. Ham, we find all of his family line, it's the the Cushites and the, um, the Canaanites and, and so on. And, and you have all these, these family tribes that later on go on to live for their own name. Japheth, we don't hear a huge amount of him. In fact, most of you probably came out of the line of Japheth, which is kind of Europe, Western Europe and, and upper parts of Europe. Uh, and, and so here we have then the name Shem. The name Shem means name of renown or great fame. Isn't it interesting, uh, 
God had already prophesied through Shem's line, your name will be great. Now, if we follow through Shem's line in chapter 10, we've got this little uh, list. Uh, sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, Arphaxad, Lud and Aram. He follows the line of Aram. Later on, he follows the line of Arphaxad, which is where Abram comes from. But at this moment, he gives us some side uh, kind of stories, talks about Aram's line, names all his four children. Uh, it, then he goes back to Arphaxad briefly, talks about his son. Then his, uh, his son, Shelah, or um, Salah, not Mo Salah, but um, Salah, he uh, was not a good soccer player. It doesn't say that, but um, here's uh, Salah, had, he was the father of Eber, E-B-E-R, and some translations uh, give his name as H-E-B-E-R, Heber. Many scholars believe that it's at his family line that the uh, Tower of Babel happened because the name Heber is kind of the derivative underneath the name Hebrew. And so they, they say it must be that he was at this, at this particular time, which puts him in the third generation. Then his sons were Peleg and also Jokton. Peleg means divided. So if you're wondering, is it actually around the time of Babylon? Probably was, like the Babel, sorry, Tower of Babel. Uh, and so here we have um, both the start of a clan, but then also we see there's a division that happens amongst the earth. He goes on to talk about Jokton as well. He has 13 children in name on this particular passage. Um, just out of interest, the Tower of Babel, uh, there's a number of other uh, like other writings outside of the biblical text that talk about the Tower of Babel. And this is not just a fanciful story. This was like headline news right across all of the nations. This was headline news. Eusebius in uh, the 4th century, he quotes Abedinus, a Greek historian in the 2nd century BC. And I'm going to read to you what um, Abedinus says. He says, The ancient race of men were so puffed up with their strength and tallness of stature. Isn't that interesting? tallness of stature, that they began to despise and contemn with the gods and laboured to erect a very lofty tower. Also, George Smith, which sounds like a made-up name, he's an Englishman, um, but he, he was a, an archaeologist. He discovered in Nineveh some Assyrian tablets, and you can find them in the British Museum today. And he, he actually gives uh, his... Um, rendition of what it is that's said on this tablet. The line number one says, quote, Babylon corruptly to sin went, and small and great mingled on the mound. Then line number two, in his anger, also the secret counsel he poured out to scatter abroad his face he set. He gave a command to make strange their speech, their progress he impeded. Isn't that interesting? So you can find on other uh, historical tablets on other historical records. This actually happened in this time. Now, if we were to follow the line of Shem, what was the name of Shem? What did it mean again? Who, who remembers? Name of, yeah, of great renown and fame. This was to be a great name that God would make great. You follow his name and Moses makes a point 
uh, Aram. See, Aram's name means empty. Can you imagine for Shem? He gets to the point, he's had his fourth son, one, two, three, no, fifth son. And he says, yeah, I'm empty. <laughs> I'm calling you empty. Battle, empty, right? And then Aram has four sons, two of them. The first one means something like, um, now let me think. I knew I was going to forget this one. I might even have this on my paper here. But yeah, anyway, I'm going to have to skip it. But he... He has these names uh, that carry on. It's, it's like great pain. and That's right. One's called pain and infirmity. You're like, ah. Um, you know, and, and so it's quite strange. Then you have uh, Jockton. As he has his 13 kids, you get this picture. As you look at the meaning of the names. We don't have time to go through the meaning of it. But you get this idea. They've gone to Arabia. There's a place that they've, they've settled in that is uh, full of riches and gold. Um, but it's at great cost to them. And in fact, he calls one of his sons inconvenience of old age. So here's the line of Shem. Great name. Not one of them holds anything great yet. Ever been in a place where you've said yes to Jesus? You've said yes to him and you've said, God, you can have everything of me. And I'm taking hold of your name but it seems like nothing great has come from it yet. You're like, when, Lord? When is it going to be? Here is Shem's line, and he's in the same place where he's like, God, where is it? Now, Shem was quite likely not alive at this time, um, but here we have his line. We go into chapter 11. It's juxtaposed to the story of the Tower of Babel because now we find here is a family line. Rather than looking for a great name for themselves, we get all the way through his family line to Abram and we find in verse 30 of chapter 11, here is a man, Abram, whose name means exalted father. It's like Terah, his dad, he had a prophetic kind of idea. God is going to work through my son Abram. The name that was to be great is coming. He calls him exalted father. And here we find in verse 30, we hit a roadblock. We hit a, a, you know, a blip in the system because this is what happens. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, was childless because she was not able to conceive. At this time, Abram was 75 years old and Sarai was 65 years old. And here they were unable to have children, the whole line of Shem. Your name is going to be great. Abram and his, even his dad, Terah, which means to tarry, to move from, to to go after something, and yet he didn't make it to where God had him to go because he settled in Haran. He was meant to go uh, further to the land of the Canaanites, but he settled. And so here Abram picks up on the family line. He says, God, I want everything of you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I have in mind to be in step with you. My name is tied to your name. This is what covenant does. Your covenant through Jesus says, I, I want everything of your name. I want to walk in your name. I want to be known by your name. I don't want to be building a name for myself, 
I want to be known by your name and walk with where you want me to go and, and have the blessing and the reward that comes from your name. Amen. Amen. Here is this, this deep desire. Abram, finally, he hears from God, chapter 12. And the Lord, uh, verse 1, had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Here's the promise. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. Who will make his name great? God. Who are the other people looking to make their name great? Themselves. I can tell you, if you look to God to make your name great, he always comes through. There's a weight that happens in the midst. There's a surrender that happens. There's, there's a sense that even sometimes we feel like we've let things go because other people are making their name great. But here we find ourselves in a place with Abram where we say, no, Lord, I want you to make my name great. I want this to be from your reward. I want the applause to come from heaven, not from men. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's a pretty amazing uh, promise of the Lord. We're actually um, in the family line. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're in the family line, uh, not by blood, but by the Spirit of God to Abram, to Abraham. It did indeed become an exalted father. In fact, he became the father of all nations in a way because God gave him a new name, Abraham. And, and so he was Abram. He, he's at the very beginning of his, of his journey. He says, God, I want your name. I want, to, I want to buy into what you have in mind to do. Now, this, this was so important because when Israel heard this origin story of a name, they linked themselves to this man, Abram, in saying, this is the whole thing that we were purposed for as a nation. We're actually the outcome of one man's name being made great through the Heavenly Father. Because he took a hold of the promise. He let go of making his own name. And now we are a part of that. We've come into the same story, the same family line, the same story of Shem, whose name was a name of renown and great fame. We've, we've actually come into that. In fact, God would come and not only would he lead the Israelites to take a hold of that name, but he would also lead uh, Jesus to take a hold of that name, to say, God, all I want is your name to be lifted high. Jesus, when he came, he laid down his majesty. Let's have a look at it. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Just take note of that word there. Humility means to lay down everything. It's it's a word that says, uh, not my name being great, but I want God's name to be great. I want, uh, I want to lift up those around me. I want to lift up the name of God. Uh, rather in humility, 
Value others above yourselves, verse 4. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of, but each of you to the interests of the others. This actually brings you back into the image of God. It brings you back to the very purpose He created you for. To love others with the same heart that God has for you. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him. Who exalted him? God, when you lay down your life to serve the Lord, when you say, not what I want, but what you want, Lord, not my will, but your will, it's God who brings the exalting. It's God who brings your name to the surface. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. If you've come under the name of Jesus, you've come under the name that's above every name. You want a good name? Look at the name of Jesus. He's one who goes ahead before. He's in the same line as Shem, name of renown and great fame. He's the same in the line of uh, Abram, who took a hold of the covenant of God. He's in the same line of, as Israel, who became a blessing to the nations, or what they were to become a blessing to the nations. This nation of Israel did not fully satisfy the covenant, but he came in as one who satisfied the covenant. You've come into a great name, Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's to his glory. Every time you lift up the name of Jesus, every time you step in and say, no, not my name, but his name, you actually bring the glory of God to the fore. There's so many different things right now that can take our attention away. In fact, we can be so busy trying to structure things around us to make sure that our name stays secure. But all that's really required of you is to keep your eyes on Jesus. I'm so grateful for that. Because in my own strength, if I build the tower, I've got to maintain the tower. If he builds it, he maintains it. Let, let God... Build your tower. Let God maintain your tower. What, what's required to get there? It's humility. It's laying down everything of myself. It's saying, I desire to have everything of you, Lord, no matter what the cost. And I desire to follow Jesus, no matter what the cost. I just, you know, even sharing your faith with others requires humility. Because we, we wonder, what if my name, what if my reputation... What if people think differently of me? What if my peers disown me? What's that? It's all about my name. No, give yourself wholly to Jesus.